this thing is so this thing is like ten foot tall. Like ten foot tall. Uh, the skin was like a the skin was like a an old beat up baseball glove. It's all scarred. It's all scarred. This thing realized this thing realized that I see it and it gives me this kind of frown, kind of squinted eyes, like like it's pissed off. So this thing is so this thing is like ten foot tall, like ten foot tall. Listening to Strange Familiars, True Stories of the Paranormal, Cryptids, Hauntings, The Occult, Mythology, UFOs, Folklore, Weird and Forgotten History. Please make sure to like and subscribe to Strange Familiars on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you are listening. Please share the Strange Familiars page and episodes on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Episode 8, Bigfoot Yesterday and Today, Part 1. Coming up, we're going to be hearing Part 1 of Mark Blankenship's Encounter Stories. Check out Mark's YouTube channel, Cascade Bigfoot. He's got some of the sounds and videos we'll talk about in the interview. You can check him out there. But first, we're introducing a new segment, which is based on my book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. That's available now on Amazon or directly from me. I'm not sure if we'll do this every episode, but we're going to do this here and there. We're going to take an article from the book and read it and discuss it. In my opinion, a lot of these old articles discuss what are likely Bigfoot creatures or similar creatures. In the case of the first article, I, I actually don't think it's a Bigfoot, but a different creature. These are taken from old newspapers way back into the 1830s. The earliest article I have in my book is called The Whistling Wild Boy of the Woods. Strange Animal, or Food for the Marvelous. Something like a year ago, there was considerable talk about a strange animal said to have been seen in the southwestern part of Bridgewater. Although the individual who described the animal persisted in declaring that he had seen it, the story was heard and looked upon more as food for the marvelous than as having any foundation in fact. He represented the animal, as we have it through a third person, 
as having the appearance of a child seven or eight years old, though somewhat slimmer, and covered entirely with hair. He saw it while picking berries, walking toward him erect and whistling like a person. After recovering from the fright, he is said to have pursued it, but it ran off with such speed, whistling as it went, that he could not catch it. He said it ran like the devil, and continued to call it after that name. The same, or a similar-looking animal, was seen in Silver Lake Township about two weeks since by a boy of some 16 years old. We had the story from the father of the boy in his absence, and afterwards from the boy himself. The boy was sent to work in the backwoods near the New York state line. He took with him a gun and was told by his father to shoot anything he might see except persons or cattle. After working a while, he heard some person, a little brother as he supposed, coming towards him, whistling quite merrily. It came within a few rods of him and stopped. He said it looked like a human being, covered with black hair, about the size of his brother, who was six or seven years old. His gun was some little distance off, and he was very much frightened. He, however, got his gun and shot at the animal, but trembled so that he could not hold still. The strange animal, just as his gun went off, stepped behind a tree and then ran off whistling as before. The father said the boy came home very much frightened when thinking about the animal he had seen, he would, to use his own words, burst out a-crying. Making due allowance for frights and consequent exaggeration, an animal of singular appearance has doubtless been seen. What it is, or whence it came, is of course yet a mystery. From the description, if an orangutan were known to be in this country, we might think this to be it. As no such animal is known, without vouching for the correctness of the story, we shall leave the reader to conjecture or guess for himself what it is. For the sake of a name, however, we will call the strange animal the Whistling Wild Boy of the Woods. Why is not the story as good as that copied into the volunteer of week before last relative to the Wild Boy of Indiana? We acknowledge that the story has excited somewhat our propensity for the marvelous, and we give it as much as anything to gratify the same propensity in others. The Baltimore Sun, Baltimore, Maryland, August 3rd, 1838. So that was from 1838. In my opinion, it doesn't talk about a Bigfoot creature. I think that article is talking about an Albatwitch creature which you've probably heard us talk about here and there on the show, episode one, and no doubt in the River Witch patron episode, I'm sure we mentioned Albatwitch. And I'm sure it's come up here and there. Albatwitch are three to four foot tall, very thin, hair-covered ape men. The name Albatwitch comes from the German. Alb is German for elf. And I think it's possibly combined with a German verb, entwischen, which means to escape. That would make the Albatwitch the escaping elf. Around here, it's often said that the name comes from Apple Snitch because they are reported to steal apples, sometimes selling them back at people. But I think that's just a convenient way to remember the name. I don't actually think that's where it comes from. I believe it is German. It just makes sense because they're also known as little people throughout the country. And really in other countries too, these short, hair-covered creatures, they seem to appear all around the world, really. And for them to be called elves or to be tied in with the little people or the fey folk makes a lot of sense. They're probably the same thing as Puckwudgies from New England, but it's hard to say. They're also known as Megamawisus. Uh There's just different names for them from different Native American tribes all over the country. They're very rare. As rare as Bigfoot sightings are, I'll give an example. In my first book, I have... I think over a hundred Bigfoot sightings in York, Lancaster, and Adams County, Pennsylvania. And 
just a handful of Alba Twitch sightings, maybe four or five Alba Twitch sightings. So as rare as Bigfoot sightings are, you can see Alba Twitch are just that much rare. Like the creatures in the article, Alba Twitch are said to whistle. Sometimes they were said to lure people out into the woods with their whistles, and people would never return again. This is an ongoing theme with many of these creatures, luring people out and the people are never seen again. Locally, it's said that the Albatwitch have something called a welcome whistle. That is a series of whistles they use to call to one another. Local folklore says if you memorize this series of whistles that you can call the creatures out of hiding. But as yet, I've not been able to get anyone to teach me the whistle. Mark Blankenship tonight. He's a Bigfoot witness from the state of Washington. He's had some pretty intense encounters. I've heard him on some other shows, but we're going to talk about both what's happened in the past and get some update from Mark on some more recent sightings and and experiences he's had. Mark, when you first got into this, you said you weren't even a Bigfoot believer. You had no interest in it, right? No, no, I I, I didn't believe in the subject. I thought it was kind of entertaining, but I grew up in Southern California and was never really exposed to, you know, the woods, you know, I mean, I was, grew up on the beach and went deep sea fishing, but, uh, I retired from the Navy and I, my last duty station was up here in Washington and, uh, uh, met my, my friend, Doug, uh, he's my best friend. He's my research partner. Uh, he, he grew up in, uh, Pulaski, Oregon. Him and his family grew up in a rural area and he was an avid hunter and grew up in the woods and, he didn't believe in the subject either. He never had an encounter, never, never heard anything strange or anything, but yeah, I thought the subject was interesting. You know, as a kid, I saw in search of a Leonard Nimoy and I saw the monster quest stuff and it was entertaining, you know, but, uh, did I ever think that uh, I would see something like that? No, I, I never thought that, but well, uh, he wanted to take me hunting in, uh, September, 2015, uh, Labor Day weekend. On Sunday, we went. Uh, we were going to overnight. Uh, he said he wanted to go out to this area east of where we live. We live I live in Marysville, Washington, in Snohomish County, and he wanted to go out a few hours east of here and drive these logging roads and get out and, and walk and look for game trails and see if uh, he's kind of an expert tracker. He was in the Special Forces in the Army and uh, see if we could find deer and elk tracks and um, you know figure out you know their habits and come back at, at hunting season and you know get something well we've been out there all day and uh, it was sunday we were going to overnight that night and it was probably about it was just after 2 30 in the afternoon and we came to like a kind of a dead end on this logging road and it looked like maybe a spot where it was kind of not like it was kind of like a cul-de-sac kind of it was kind of big and round and probably 60 feet across and it, it looked like maybe more logging trucks would turn around or something and they hadn't logged back then there in years. There was patches where maybe 20 years ago they had logged and the trees were coming up, but there there was more old growth than, than new growth. And uh, opposite, we parked the truck, and I got something to drink, and he got something to eat. We, uh, just off to the left of the truck, maybe 50 feet away, there was these boulders that are purposely buried in the ground by the Forest Service or a logging company, and, and they're blocking a, a logging skid road. Um, that they don't want people to drive down anymore. And so my buddy was sitting on one of the boulders. Uh, they're about three or four feet in diameter, buried halfway in the ground. But uh, he's sitting on one of the boulders facing the truck, and he has his back to that road. And I'm standing up with my back to the truck, and I'm looking down that road. And the road goes down about 30 yards, and then it makes a slight – it goes down at a gradual decline, and 30 yards down it makes a gradual bank to the left. And uh, there's old growth lining the sides of it, and there's br- heavy brush. And uh, we'd been there not even 10 minutes, and uh, we, we were talking about what our plan of action for the rest of the day was and where we thought we might camp for the night. This isn't a place that's commonly traveled by people. I mean, there there's nobody out there. I mean, we didn't see a single vehicle that day, a single person, nothing. So we'd been there maybe 10 minutes, and I'm looking down there, and 
where that brush was, there was an opening in the brush about eight feet up, and it was about, I don't know, three or four feet wide and two and a half, three feet tall, this opening. It was kind of like this window that you kind of looked into the forest behind it. Behind it, you could see two tree trunks in the distance. So I'm looking down there, and probably the third or fourth time I looked down there, my eye was naturally drawn to that opening. I see something on the tree trunk on the right that's moving, and I, and I thought, you know, what, what is that? You know, I mean, we hadn't really seen anything all day. We hadn't seen a single, we've seen plenty of deer and elk tracks, but we hadn't seen a single deer all day or, or a raccoon or anything, not even squirrels, you know. And so I'm watching this movement and I'm thinking it's a small animal and I'm, it leans out further and I realize it's a face and it's got hair on its back of its head and a high forehead it's got eyebrow eyes a nose a mouth it's kind of in this shadowy area and i'm like you know, not saying anything to my buddy doug yet and uh, i don't know if it had realized that i had seen it or not <laughs> and after about 30 seconds it ducks back behind the tree and i'm just like you know i'm i can't say anything i'm in shock you know like now what what is that you know <laughs> well then this thing reappears uh maybe 15 or 20 seconds later but what it did is it moved closer and came right to that opening in the brush and it it kind of stood up and I see the top of its head rise up and when it when it's done rising up I see it from the upper chest to the top of its head and its head you know and I'm in shock and I hadn't said anything to my buddy Doug at this time and I'm trembling and I've got goosebumps on me the size of mosquito bites and I don't know what to say you know and it's about 120 feet from me about 40 yards away and so the top of the head was really odd. It didn't roll back like a human. It, it came up and it slanted back, and then the hair on the head was silver, pure silver, but the hairline started way back on the top of this kind of odd-shaped head, and then it came down and it was kind of greasy and wiry-looking, and it hit its shoulders. Well, the top of the forehead, uh, the skin was like a an old beat-up baseball glove. It was all scarred and wrinkled up, and it, it just looked like it was just beat up and old, and there was a heavy wrinkle in the in the in the tall forehead. The eyebrow was like a Frankenstein brow. The eyes were big and black, and then the nose, the bridge of the nose in between the eyes was inset, but the nose was human-like. It was hooded. It wasn't like an ape nose. It, it was it was hooded. You couldn't see the nostrils, but it was wide and fat on the face. And then, what was the most oddest thing that I remember in my I'm looking at the image in my head right now was the space between the bottom of the nose and the top lip, you know, human, you put your finger there, it was like one finger, index finger, you know, it was like one finger distance. But this was much further. I mean, the, the distance was, you know, two or three fingers distance, you know, two and a half fingers. I mean, the lips were real skinny and wide on the face, like were super skinny and super wide, like went all the way halfway across the cheeks, you know, and the jaw was flat and the, the neck, I couldn't really say neck because, the head looked like it was kind of buried into the neck, like sh like the shoulders were super muscular. It was like, you know, it looked like a bodybuilder. And then when the silver hair hit the rest of its body, I, I couldn't tell if it was black or brown because it looked kind of wet and greasy looking kind of. Um, and if something's dark brown and, and greasy, it might appear black. So uh, I stood there and stared at it and just, you know, I tried to recreate it at home trying to figure out how, how long we were staring at each other. And, and I'm guessing maybe 45 seconds. And so this thing realizes that, that I see it, and it gives me this kind of frown and squints its eyes like an angry – it didn't show its teeth, but it looked at me like it was pissed off. And then I said, Doug, what is that? I said, look at that. And he, he stood up and turned around, and I pointed at it. This thing made a turn to its left – and when it did, I, I just remember seeing the silver hair down the back of its head and its back. It was kind of, it was like this mane kind of, you know, just this long, wiry-looking silver hair. And it took off. And so I turn, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking in my head, it's going to come after us, you know. So I, I ran over to the truck about 50 feet away. And Doug was still over there looking at, like, you know, what, what am I pointing at? And I, on the front seat, I left my backpack and there I had a 44 Magnum revolver and a holster, and I thought, I don't have time to grab it. So on the floor in the back seat, I had 
uh, an AR-15, and, and uh, I only brought that because maybe a mountain lion or something we'd run into maybe that day. I didn't think anything like this would happen. And uh, so I grabbed a 40-round magazine, I threw it in there and charged the handle and threw the safety off, and I ran over, and Doug's like, what are you pointing at? I go, it was a Sasquatch. And he goes, he looks at me, he's just like, what? Come on, dude, really? I said, Doug, I'm, I'm trembling, you know, I mean, I'm shaking really bad and, and, you know, I'm stuttering when I'm talking to him and you can tell I'm shaking up and he, he goes, you need to calm down. He goes, and I said, Doug, I'm not kidding with you. This, this thing, I said, you don't know why I saw this thing was freaky looking. I said, it was a Sasquatch. I said, it had silver hair, had this really odd looking kind of face, you know, it wasn't a face, you didn't tell him, you know. So I just said, you know, he's like, well, we need to go down there. And I was like, uh, you know, I don't know if I can, man. You mean go down there, you know? And uh, so I, he talked me into it, and I'm in the lead because I have the rifle, and, I, and I'm I'm you know, I'm shaking, you know? I mean, I'm, we're walking down there, and I get to the brush. It was standing behind, and I push through with the muzzle of my rifle and my body pushing on the brush, and I'm thinking, man, this thing's going to pull me in. It's going to rip me apart. Well, the forest floor here... Uh, there, I looked at the average rainfall. It's like over 70 inches a year, so it's heavily shaded. So the forest floor is uh, three, four, five inches of thick moss everywhere with rotted tree branches underneath it. So when you walk, you're stepping on old branches and breaking them. You, you can hardly well this. We stepped through, and where it was standing, there's these huge impressions in the moss of, of these giant footprints, you know, over 20 inches long. And I like I'm looking up like where the opening is, and you know I'm five foot seven, and the opening, the bottom of the opening is eight, you know, around eight feet. The top of the opening is, you know, around ten feet. So this thing is like ten foot tall, you know, a thousand pounds probably. And Doug's, uh, I said, Doug, here, here's where, here's its impressions. You know, Doug seen it, and his eyes are as big as golf balls, you know, and the the, the, the impressions in the moss go about fifteen or twenty feet around a. Uh, another tree and next to that tree was a, a fallen tree. And so we walked over there and on the other side there laying on that fallen tree was a big pile of a uh, picked mushrooms, maybe, you know, a couple dozen, maybe three dozen and this big leaf with some kind of tree leaf. I don't, I don't know what time, kind of maple or an oak or, or something. And there was a big handful of slugs and snails on this leaf, you know, kind of like a plate. This thing was gathering food and, we disturbed it, you know. And so Doug's like, man, look at the impressions. They they go off into the woods here, and it kind of flattens out there a little bit. You know, there's not a, you know, it's kind of flat area. He goes, let's follow him. And I said, no, no, man, I, I'm not doing that. I, I've seen enough, man. I want to leave. And so I stepped back out onto that, about 30, 20, 30 feet away from him, onto that skid road, and he started to follow the, the impressions in the moss and, Sometimes I can't see him, you know, parallel. Sometimes I can't see him because of the uh, the brush or the trees, and I'm yelling to him, Doug, I can't see you, man. Are you okay? And he goes, yeah, he's yelling back to me, yeah, I'm all right, you know. And we walked about 100 feet and uh, off to my left on the other side of the road in the trees. I hear all this crashing of breaking of tree branches, and something sounds like it's running and, and snapping branches and breaking stuff. And then where he's at, I hear the same thing, you know, climbing out of there and running out of there, you know, in a panic saying, hey, there's something down here. It's down here pissed off. And I said, well, there's something over here doing the same thing, you know. So we, we got out of there. I, I, we walked out of there real slow, and I walked backwards all the way back up to where the boulders were. And what I did was wrong at this point, but, uh, you know, I, I'll admit it is I was so filled with, fear and adrenaline but mostly I was angry about being so scared that I just emptied my entire 40 round magazine back into the woods just yeah, shooting at anything you know I've yeah. seen you take a lot of grief for that uh, some comments and stuff online and I think uh yeah. having talked to other people that have had some really intense experiences uh similar to yours I don't think anyone should comment unless they've had a similar experience I'd never been that scared in my life. I mean, I, I, I can't explain it. I mean, I didn't expect it, uh, that to happen. I didn't believe it in, until I'd seen it. 
and seeing how huge it was and what it looked like. I mean, I was, I was, I was trembling, you know, like a scared puppy. And, and I was so pissed off about being so scared. It was, it just, you know, my fear or, uh, and anger, uh, overtook me, you know? And so we ran over to the truck and we took off out of there. And there was a couple minutes of silence and I was trying to break up my attention and fear a little bit. And I looked at Doug and I kind of said something humorous. I said, uh, Hey, you still want to overnight out here? And, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, he said, no. And I said, and then I realized, Oh my, we got our cell phones in here. We got to go back and get pictures, man, of the, of the impressions and the, and the food. He goes, no, we're not ready, man. We're not ready for this. He goes, we'll figure something out. We'll come back next week. And so at that point we drove out of there. It was a couple hour drive home and I get home and had something going on here at the house with a bunch of friends and she's kind of shocked to see me and I'm a day early, you know? And, uh, so I, you know, I tell her what happened and I'm telling all the other people from church what happened and, uh, you know, they're in disbelief, you know? And so, uh, the next few days following that, I was kind of in shock. I didn't really get off the couch and I just kind of sat, you know, silent all day, just thinking about what happened, you know? And my wife was like, you want to go talk to somebody? I said, no, I said, I'm just, I'm just trying to absorb it, you know? And so I, I picked up the phone and I called, uh, the ranger station responsible for that area. They kind of blew me off. Uh, I talked to one guy who'd been here a long time and I told him what happened, where it happened, where it happened at. And he said that he'd been out there and he'd been a ranger for many years and he'd never seen or heard anything. And basically he, you know, said, have a nice day and hung up. Well, so I thought, I'll call fish and game. I called the district headquarters that's responsible for that area here. And I talked to the receptionist and she says, well, she goes, we get those reports sometimes, but our officers, uh, game officers won't investigate that kind of stuff. She goes, uh, we have a, a retired Washington state fish and game wildlife veterinarian who's seen some out in the field. And now his hobby is it. Can I give him your number? So yeah. Okay. So a few days later, um, this gentleman, Named Dr. Briggs Hall, uh, he's been on a few episodes of Monster Quest. He's a his hobby is Bigfoot now, and we met up and we went out there the following Saturday. And you know, I told him where it happened at, and he said he'd been near there, hanging game cameras, and never got anything. And I, you know, so we take him out there, and I, and I, on the on the way out there the following Saturday, the three of us are thinking, okay, what are we going to do? You know, and I said, well, let's just go back to the same spot. And let's just stand around and talk and we'll cook breakfast and let's just see if this thing, if it beds in the area, if it comes and checks people out that are, that are there. So we did. We went there. We parked the truck in the same spot and we cooked breakfast on the tailgate. We'd been there a little while and I had to relieve myself. And I went over to where those boulders were and I was standing right there uh, relieving myself. And I hear in this thick brush next to it, I hear this... Uh, this soft toned growl, you know, and it's kind of, you can tell it, you can hear this heavy breathing and, and you can tell it's not from a small animal. This is from something big. So I zip it up real quick. And I, you know, the doctor at that point had moved over towards this bridge and was looking at the sand next on this Creek and looking for tracks. And my buddy is still standing at the tailgate. And I said, Doug, I said, uh, something growled at me over there. And I, I said, there's something over there, you know, so my buddy Doug goes over there and he's standing there and looks him over his shoulder at me and he comes back and he goes, he goes, yeah, there's something growling. And I said, dude, I said, uh, this is really strange. I, you know, you know, we can bring uh, a firearm like a trip, you know? And I said, well, let's not say anything to Dr. Hall. Let's, um, I want him to find something on his own out here, a print, hear something, see something. I don't want to ruin anything other than the original sighting so we agreed and so i took him down there to where this thing was standing and by then the impressions that are in the moss you know you step in it the impressions might be there for several hours or or half a day and then it eventually lifts back up and the impressions are gone so you know we pushed through the brush i said yeah this is where it was standing that's where it cleared that opening and he's like this thing he goes this thing's like huge you know i mean i said yeah it's like 10 foot tall 
over a thousand pounds probably. And I said, the, you know, I showed him where the impressions went around this tree. And I, you know, we showed him where the food was at that, t- that point, the food was gone, the mushrooms and the slugs. I said, you know, it's gone. So we, we started walking back through there and we've been there a while and Doug was off to my left and the doctor was off to my right about a hundred feet and he was looking for footprints or whatever. And Doug waved me over and he said, uh, he goes, do you hear that? And I said, what? And he goes, just hold your breath and, and be quiet and listen. And kind of back up towards the truck area, we could hear this weird mumbling talking, you know. And it sounded like, uh, you know, I'd spent uh, three years in Japan while I was in the Navy. And, and it sounded to me like a raspy, fast-talking Japanese person. And so we listened to that for a few minutes and I, and I just said man dude I, I said I, you know this is just this is just too much you know I mean I I didn't know what to say you know and, and he didn't either so I said let's not say anything to the doc you know and so we looked around for another three or four hours out there with the doc and uh, n- nothing happened the rest of the day so we decided to leave and you know I took him back to his car and uh, he said keep in touch and I said well we, we're probably going to go out there quite a bit I said, this is kind of intriguing. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you some uh, heads up on stuff we find. And, and and so we did. And, you know, I'd been out there with him a few more times and even overnighted out there one time with him. But so me and Doug were thinking at work uh, that week, you know, what are we going to do, you know? Uh, and I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll look online. And, and I said, you know, people are hanging game cameras. They, they're not really having any luck. I said, there must be something about them. They must either see the people hanging them or they see the cameras or, or something. I said, let's, let's not do that. I said, let's, uh, let's just go back to the same spot. And this time we'll get a camera and we'll just talk again. So what we did is I bought this Sony handy camera with the screen flips out on the side and we go back and, cook breakfast in the truck and I set the camera on a tripod over near those boulders uh, buried in the ground where I was standing and I pointed it back into the woods there and kind of zoomed down a little bit hoping that it would come to the same spot and watch us you know and so we'd been there a little while and finished eating and the camera was recording and we grabbed our backpacks and both of us had a, a sidearm and uh, we went out to hike and, and look around a little bit you know i mean there's no like trails out there that like humans hike on i mean this is like walking back in through the thick uh trees and brush you know there, there's no trails or anything so you know we we left came back like three hours later and um camera was there but the battery had died at that point and we went home and started we downloaded the video started watching it and Right after we had walked away, you can hear us talking on camera. And right after we walked away, you hear uh, this stuff crashing through the brush, walking up towards the camera. And then you hear these footsteps on the gravel behind the, on the road behind, behind the camera. And something taps the camera. You can hear the tap on the camera, and the camera shakes, you know. And the screen is flipped out on the side, so if you're someone there looking at it, you can see what's on the screen is on in the view down, down the road and down that in decline and something taps the camera, the camera shakes. And I'm looking at Doug, like, I mean, what's, is a squirrel like tapping on climbing the tripod and tapping the camera? And, you know, we're in amazement. Well, we hear a tree branch break and it, it sounds, you know, we, we're not sure where it's coming from. It sounds like it's above the camera. And then you hear a smaller branch break that sounds like right behind the camera. And then you see, this tree branch wave like swoop in front of the lens. And so at this point, I, I don't know what to think. You know, I still don't to this day. Did the squatch come up and see the, the screen and see what was on in the distance on the screen and say, if I step in front of that, am, am I, are they going to see me? And then wave that branch in front of there and then realize that, you know, he saw the branch that he waved in front of the lens on the screen and then, you know, then you hear it on camera, you hear it storm off through the woods and leave, you know, crashing and breaking through stuff like it's pissed off. So I didn't know what to believe at that point. You know, and I told Doug, I said, these things are super intelligent. If this was a Bigfoot that did this, and I have, the, I still have the 
footage today. I haven't posted it because I, I can't prove anything but with that footage now. If uh, you don't mind, just go ahead and give your YouTube channel so if people want to start checking stuff out. Yeah, you know, I, I could post that footage on my YouTube channel, which is my channel was Cas- or it's mine and Doug's, it's Cascade Bigfoot. And I've got, I don't know, 16 or 17 videos on there. But, but before we move on, I just have a couple questions. When you first saw that initial creature, did did you first think human for any, you know, even a brief amount of time, or did you just know right away this isn't a person? Well, when I first saw it, when it was leaning out from the tree, I thought maybe it could be. I just, it, it just the way it looked, even in the kind of the shadowy area where it was, it looked odd. It had, you know, like a Down syndrome kind of looking face, you know. And then, but when it moved closer and it stood up in that opening and I could see it clearly I, with the way, the shape of its head, the way it's, its eyebrows, the, the brow, the thick brow, Frankenstein brow, the way the lips were positioned on the face and the hair and everything. I, I knew at that point right away what, what it had to be. I mean, what it was looking at. Then going down there and seeing the impressions in the moss and where it was standing, how big, you know, footprints were over 20, probably 21 inches long, 20 inches long. It just, you know, I it just, I knew, you know, you know, this, I mean, this is just unbelievable, you know, sure, so. Yeah. And w- when you heard the uh, talking, for lack of a better word, have you heard the Sierra sounds? I'm sure you have. Uh, yeah, I talked with, uh, I, I have talked with Ron, I think it's Ron, those are Ron Moorheads, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have met with Ron Moorhead, and I told him my story, and I, I described the sounds to him. And then, you know, I've heard his stuff, and it's pretty similar, man. Similar, yeah. That's, that's... Uh, we've heard those sounds more than a dozen times out there since then, but it's always, whenever we hear it, it's always just far enough away where we can't get audio of it. I, I got a partial audio of it one time that I sent off to this sound expert, and he sent it back to me, and it's pretty faint. It's kind of garbled a little bit, and he said it that uh, I guess on the parameters of it in his computer program, that it's definitely not human. And I have that recording. I just it's put away. I haven't done, I haven't posted any of that yet or not, but it's very, very strange. And so, yeah, well, we were thinking like, you know, what are we going to do now? You know, I mean, these things got to be super smart. Uh, um, you know, how, how are we going to trick this thing? I mean, this thing seems to be, you know, very intelligent. And so I thought, well, this thing really exposed itself. Uh, the camera was out in the wide open in this turnaround. The truck was 50 feet away. I said, let's do the same thing next week, but this time let's hide a camera in the truck. And so that's what we did. I, that week I bought another Sony Handy camera. We came back the following Saturday, did the same exact thing. This time I put another camera in the truck on the center console, pointed out the driver's side door window. And the other camera was 50 feet away, and we did the same thing, and we uh, walked away. We were gone for probably three, you know, two and a half, three hours, and we come back, and the camera on the tripod's there, but there was a silver Subaru parked over near the truck, and I thought, man, that's kind of odd, you know, what's somebody doing out here? And I see an older gentleman and a younger gentleman. And the younger gentleman looked like maybe his late 20s. It looked like a grandfather and grandson. They were standing above the truck on this other fork in the road that goes up a couple hundred feet and it dead ends, and they were standing up on that gravel road pointing back into the woods. And so we come walking up, and uh, the older gentleman sees us with our firearms, and he seems kind of intimidated, and the younger gentleman was still up there. So we put our firearms in the bed of the pickup truck, and the older gentleman was in his car, and the younger guy came down and I said, Hey, how you doing? He goes, Oh, how you doing? And he didn't really say anything to him. I said, Hey, uh, did you guys see something out here? What, what, what's going on? And he goes, uh, I, you know, I don't know. And I said, come on, you know, I mean, I, so I, I pried it out of him. And he goes, okay. I, we came up here and we, we got up to this bridge and we, we, we started across the bridge, goes over this Creek and your truck was parked there. And he said, there was something crouched next to the passenger side door of your truck. And when it hurt us, it stood up and turned around and he said it was big and brown. He said the shoulders were taller than the cab of the truck. And my buddy has this, uh, lifted Dodge, you know, pickup truck. He said it took off 
passed, ran past a truck up this hill here and ran into the woods. And I, and I said, man, can, you, can I get your name? You know, he goes, no, no. I, you know, the guy was all real standoffish, and he got in the car, and they drove off, you know. I looked at Doug, and I was like, man, maybe we got something here. Maybe we got it on video. You know, let's go, let's go home and download the video, you know. So we go home, and we're watching the video of the camera in the truck, and the camera in the truck is pointed at the other camera on the tripod on the other side of this turnaround, and we're still on camera walking away. And a rock flies out of the woods and hits the driver's side door directly under the camera and bounces off a ricochet and you see it and you hear it on camera. And so while we're gone, the truck was repeatedly hit with rocks, you know. And in fact, uh, when we came back to the truck that day, there was a, a, uh, a rock hit in his window that eventually spider webbed across his windshield and we had to get the windshield replaced. But, uh, so I'm thinking, man, this is amazing, you know. So we watched all the video. Not once did they step in front of the camera, but we got a bunch of rock throwing, and and you could hear some, you could see some rocks flying through the air and hitting the truck, and you, but you could hear most of them. We kept hearing this weird sound on camera. Uh, we couldn't make it out. It sounded like it was coming from behind the camera on the passenger door, and it was this weird clacking noise and. And I had my wife listen to it, and she goes, well, it sounds like the door handle on the truck. And I said, what do you mean? She said, yeah, you lift the door handle, and you let it go, and it slaps back in place. So we took the camera out and did the same thing in my driveway and recorded it and brought it in and listened to it. It's the same sound. So this thing, for some reason, must have seen us get in and out of the truck while we were there getting stuff ready and was curious and tried to get into the truck for some reason, you know. So it's kind of, you know, these things are real smart. I, I mentioned that story to uh, another researcher who, who takes reports, and he said he took a report one time from an elderly couple who, during the week, went hiking on on this this trail, and they parked their car at a trailhead. Their car was the only one there during the week. They came back a few hours later, and they started approaching the vehicle, and it looked like the rear passenger door was open, and so. The elderly general started walking up to the car thinking, oh, somebody's, somebody's in the car. You know, they broke in. And he says this juvenile Sasquatch jumps out of the back seat of the car, runs across this gravel parking lot, does this Olympic leap on top of this fallen tree and stands on top and turns, and turns around and stares at him and his wife and then takes off in the wood and left their rear door unlocked. There's a witness here in uh, right in York County, Pennsylvania, where I live, who I've talked to. And uh, he ran into one of the creatures, actually had a very bad experience, got beat down by it. His car was left out, and when they went to retrieve it, something had uh, opened the back door. It, it was shut, but it wasn't shut all the way. It, it was kind of half-closed. Wow. Yeah. Things trying to get into, into, into the truck, you know, and, and I, I'm just, like, floored. Like, you know, what what are we going to do, you know? So... We'd made a bunch more trips back to that same location, and but there was eventually a uh, a windstorm a few months later that knocked a bunch of trees down. It's like 80, 90 mile hour winds. It knocks a bunch of trees down, blocking the road. So we couldn't get into our original siding area for probably about seven months. So I told you know when we first saw all the trees down, we initially we climbed through all the stuff, thinking no, oh, it can't be that bad, you know, and it was probably a good half a mile of you know three and four foot diameter trees some of them stacked two three on top of one another four on top of one another and it took us you know probably three hours to climb that half mile through all that stuff and i said i'm not going to do this every time man i beat so i said let's just come back next week it was january at that point january of uh, 2016 and i said let's just park the truck at the first down tree and camp out there overnight and maybe something will happen you know we're about a half a mile from the, the siding area you know these things probably travel pretty far distances you know so we did got it was i think it was mid maybe the second or third week of january and there was no snow out there if you went up another 500 feet there was snow but this is kind of low down close to a river kind of and uh, so we get there and it's, it's cold i mean in daytime it was uh in the mid 30s you know and so uh, we both work all night Friday night, and uh, 
it's Saturday late afternoon around two o'clock and you know we had been up for well over 24 hours at that point you know by the time we went to bed both of us been up maybe 30 hours and so we cooked dinner and we were going to set tents up and I said man dude it's going to drop like in the teens tonight I said let's just sleep in the train your pit in your pickup truck I'll sleep in the back seat you sleep in the front seat and so we did I, I climbed in the back seat and I had my head and shoulders and pillow against the rear driver's side door and he was in the front and I had his head near the front passenger door and so I fell asleep right away it was probably sometime between 5 30 and 6 and I woke up up around it's been 10 45 and 10 10 30 10 45 and the windows at that point are all fogged up and we can't see out at all and uh I hear I'm laying there and I hear these uh well before I went to bed I put a bucket of 12 I had a bag of 12 apples that I put in the bucket and I put some unwrapped Snickers bars in the bucket and I put it behind in, in the uh bed of the truck uh right behind the pass right behind the, the, the back seat and so I put a voice recorder in there too in case you know I get something on audio so I woke up and I was hearing this drumming of sticks and uh you'd hear us go clink 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 and then a little further away you'd hear a reply and it sounded a little different like maybe the, the sticks are a different size and it's hitting on something else you hear it clunk 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 and they're going back and forth you know half a dozen times and i don't know if they were communicating or if they were just trying to make noise to see if we'd get out of the truck and so it stopped and i'm laying there and i hear right next to the truck on the tree line i hear some popping of, of branches and sticks like something's approaching the truck and I, I thought i heard something walk up to the truck and i at that point feel the door panel that I'm leaning against on the, on the rear driver's side door, I, I, I feel my shoulders and head slightly being pushed on, like something's pushing on the door. And then I hear this something slap on the glass above my head, like it, something was trying to, you know, slap its hand trying to clear the, clear the glass, you know, it was fogged up from the inside. And so I, I thought I heard it walk around the truck, and I, I wake up, Doug. I'm like, Doug, you know, wake up, wake up, Doug. And he wakes up, he's like, what? And I was like, it's right here the truck man it just pushed on this door and it slapped on the glass now it's walking around the truck i said i want to leave and he's like no man this is what we're here for man this is what we came for we ain't leaving and so he fell back asleep and started snoring again you know and uh i hear this thing walk around the truck and it comes back uh, over to my side and i hear my buddy had a plastic bed liner in his pickup truck i hear the bucket being pushed around on the bed liner and then it would stop and it'd be pushed around. And then that went on for, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, then it got quiet. And I was laying, I laid there until about two o'clock in the morning thinking, they're going to kill us, man. You know, they're going to, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I just, there's a million things running through my mind. They're going to bust through the glass and pull us out through the windows. They're going to, they're going to rip, roll the truck over. They're going to kill us, you know. Well, then I must have fell asleep. I woke up around seven and got out of the truck and, by then the bucket was on the tailgate and I'm thinking, Oh, we're going to get some great audio, you know? And, uh, so the bucket's empty. And then I realize the recorder's gone, you know, it's not in the bed of the truck. It's not on the ground. You know, we looked for it. We couldn't find it. So whatever it was, you know, it ate the apples and candy bars and it took my audio recorder. Did you ever find it? So that was, no, I never found it. I, I mentioned it to somebody and they said, maybe one day, you'll be parked out there and you'll find it just sitting on you know, on your truck or something. But to this day, no, I've never, never found it. So I'm just like, that's a bust, you know, this is a bummer, you know? And then I, I realized the glass in the truck. So uh, these images are on my YouTube page. Uh, there was these big hand, hand and fingers on the driver's side door glass, really long and weird looking, a big, big giant handprint and fingers. And I took pictures of them, and, and uh, they're on my YouTube channel. If people go on there and watch, you know, they could, they're they on there. I think that's uh, the same video that has all my footprints on. It's called, like, Bigfoot Scares Campers or something like that. But uh, I told Doug, I said, man, you know, we need to, like, go maybe to the sheriff's department and get, you know, uh, have them, you know, take, you know, samples of this handprint. And he goes, no, he goes, that's, you know, I don't want anybody to know what we're up to. Let's, you know, they'll laugh at us, you know. So I agreed, you know, I was like, yeah. So then we cooked breakfast on the uh, tailgate of the truck. And uh, our idea that day was to 
put cameras inside the pickup truck and leave the doors open and walk away. So I made breakfast. I was getting cameras set up on the center console. One pointed out the driver's door. One pointed out the passenger door. And I put a camera on my backpack and Doug helps me with all of my backpack and we walk away from the truck and we start walking away from the truck. Well, I'll, I'll get into that after what happened the rest of the day, but we walk away from the truck. The cameras are rolling, doors are open and we get, we walk about a couple hundred yards down this straight stretch of road and we go around a slight bend and we're just out of view of the truck. And I realized I had a camera on my head, a video camera. And I realized I didn't turn it on. So I turned it on. And just as I turned it on, Back towards the truck, we hear these loud tree knocks, like six or seven of them, just boom, boom, boom. And my my head camera picked them up, and uh, that's on my YouTube channel also. But uh, I, you know, Doug's like, you know, hey, we need to go back. And I said, no, man, we got cameras in the truck. Let's just leave it, you know. And so uh, we walked around for a few hours, and we came back to the truck, and nothing looked like it was disturbed, you know. And I said, well, let's go home and start watching video, you know. So the first video I watch is the video camera on my backpack. I, I were walking away from the truck and there was this group of trees over to the left of the truck and behind this group of trees, as we're walking away, maybe it was only maybe 25, 30 feet away, you see this uh, Sasquatch standing behind the trees and it turns its head and it looks at us as if we're, while we're walking away and then ducks down out of sight. And I watched that video for hours and then I watched it frame by frame and then I put it in a program and I was zooming in on it and the camera is only a two megapixel little thumb camera it's called a Viho movie pro it's real small it's not that great of footage but I, I've caught a lot of criticism over it but I, I know what it is and uh so it must have been the same one that was screwing with us in, in, the, in the middle of the night you know and so uh at that point I'm just you know I, I watched the camera on uh that was my head and I and I caught the tree knocking and everything, and so it's gotten into this long, obsessive uh, investigation out there. Um, uh, we went out there a bunch more times, caught, got some more footprints and some more uh, tree knocking, and we found uh, one time we were walking. I had a camera on my backpack, and uh, we didn't know it at the time until we got home and watched it. About 80 yards behind us on this long stretch of logging road, we see something climb down from the hillside, and it's crouching in the... Uh, ditch on the side of the road and then as we get for a little further away the sun is behind it and as it stands up it's about i'm guesstimating we went back and took videos and estimated how, how how high it was after we watched the video it was somewhere around five five and a half foot tall and it, it casts a shadow onto the road and you know then we walk around another corner and don't see it anymore so once we saw that on video we thought you know, and that was like another mile from where the truck was parked at those down trees. I said, maybe there's something right here in this area that looks like a juvenile that was standing up on the side of the road. So I took, started taking those small thumb cameras and uh, I thought, let's leave it some food and, you know, some apples or candy bars and let's hang one of these little tiny cameras that I painted green pointed at the food, you know. And so... Uh, uh, we did that, and we come back. Uh, you know, we put put the food there with the camera. On the next trip out, we came back a few hours later, and the food is gone. Or, excuse me, the food is still there, but you know, the, the camera's there, the battery's dead. And I thought, well, okay, this is a bust, you know. So we go home and we watch the video, and on the audio in the video, you can hear this repeated, repetitive treat, uh, a rock tapping, clack, clack, clack. Clack, 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 clack. You can hear it. it just goes on and on and on for a couple minutes, you know. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, you know. And that's on my YouTube channel also. And so I thought, I told Doug, I said, okay, let's try something. I said, let's go back and do the same thing. But this time, let's point the camera away from the food. And so we did. We went to the same exact spot, put the food down, put the camera there. This time we pointed the little thumb camera on a tree branch away from the food came back later that day and the food is gone and then there's these footprints in in the mud uh by this ditch uh behind the camera so we kept we did that repeatedly try it again with the camera pointed at the food and we'd get 
rock tapping or even one case I got a, a, tre- a tree being pushed over. You can hear a tree. It's all crack and then boom, hit the forest floor, you know, um, tree knocking. Uh, one time I even got audio of what sounds like footsteps on the gravel road behind the camera, like something walked up to it. But whenever the lens was pointed at the food, they wouldn't take it. When the lens was pointed away from the food, they'd take it. So there's something about a camera lens. I mean, these aren't like infrared cameras. They're just a tiny little video camera called the Viho Movie Pro. There's something about a camera lens, you know, back, you know, when the camera was on the center console on the truck and they're throwing rocks at it. Do they see light coming out of it? Do they sense the energy, uh, you know, that the camera gives off? I mean, what what is it? You know, does it look like an eyeball? I mean, so it was, it's very, very strange. And, uh, when you were walking away, oh, yeah. and they yeah. and you heard those, uh, what the was it wood knocks as you were walking away from the truck that time? You said it happened right as you turned the camera on. Do you think it could have been trying to alert uh, others that you turned the camera on? Oh, it could have. I, I didn't. I didn't think of that. That's, that's good. Uh, my, my thought was is as soon as we got out of sight, it let others further down know that we were heading that way. You know. Mm-hmm. But that's. A, I didn't think of that. That's a good. It's a good idea. I. I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was. Just, it's like the 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 uh, videos on my camera. It's uh, like uh, Bigfoot tree knocking, and it's like from second in the video. It's like second one to second eleven. You just hear these loud tree knocks, and uh, I kind of turned back towards where the truck was. Like, what's you know, <laughs> what's going on? You know, and so April came around. Oh, actually, I started sending a bunch of. I wanted to get a, a, re, a well-known researcher to come out and kind of validate what was going on out there. I called a guy who's, you know, I don't want to say his name, but we, we talk quite a bit on the phone, actually, and email each other quite a bit. I'll, every time I get something, I send it to him, but uh, I'll just say what he does, and everybody will know who I'm talking about. But he's probably the most well-known researcher with footprints, uh, big footprints in the United States, and then he couldn't make it out. So I called John Bindernoggle up in Canada, and I sent him a bunch of stuff uh, through email, and he doesn't. He only lives just up across the border here, above me in Northwest Washington, Canada. So he came down and spent two days with me out there. We were out there on the first day, walking around. The, the trees were still blocking the road at that point, and so we parked the truck in the same spot. And I showed him, yeah, it was behind. You know, I showed him the video of the one behind the tree, and I showed him where it was standing. And uh, he goes, yeah, it's pretty amazing, you know. And, and so we spent the whole day out there and. And then the uh, following day, his wife came with us, and nothing really happened that day. So then uh, I took him back to his vehicle, him and his wife back to the vehicle at the end of the second day, and he left a game camera. And uh, he said, hey, I'm going to give you this game camera. I want you to go out and hang it somewhere out there where you think you might be able to get something. And and I said, John, I said, I I don't think game cameras will work. And, and, you know, and the reason I think that was is early on, when we started, Doug had bought a game camera just to try it out. You know, we were trying different things to see what's going to work, you know. And so uh, we went back into that original siding area and, and hung it back way back off the road, probably 300 yards, and two or 300 yards, and uh, came back three weeks later, and there was a uh, camera was still there, but there was a big piece of rotted tree, you know, log or trunk, you know, probably weighed, you know, th- you know close to 300 pounds, leaned up in front of the camera blocking the, the, the view. So I, I pushed it over and we swapped out the batteries on the camera and the memory card. And I said, uh, you know, I told my buddy Doug, I said, wait, we ain't going to get anything. They said, maybe we'll get something that push, put this up in front of the camera, but uh, we ain't going to get nothing. So we both agreed to move it. So we moved it through the woods. Uh, we had to climb through a bunch of fallen trees and thick brush. We probably moved it 300 yards away and hung it up in a different spot and, Came back two weeks later, and the same piece of rotted tree log was leaned up in front of the camera again, blocking its view. And we never got anything, nothing. Maybe even didn't even get anything uh, of that was lean that was leaning up in front of it. Nothing, just blank, no images at all. And so uh, we knew it was working too because we tested it. You know, we we knew we knew it was working. You know, and so uh, we thought, man you know, they're smarter, they're really smart, you know, so I told John that story, and he, he said, just just go hang it for me, you know, 
and I thought, okay, I said, I'll, 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 I'll go hang it for you. And, uh, so that was in, uh, the end of April. And, uh, I think it was like the 29th of the 30th. So a few weeks went by and Doug was busy and I couldn't get him or anybody else to go out there with me. And I thought, you know, I, sh- you know, John was kind enough to come here and spend some time with me. I said, I need to get this camera hung. And my wife said she would go. And I said, no, I'm not going to put you in harm's way. I thought, I'll just go back to the spot where I put those thumb cameras and the food on the ground and I'll just walk back in about 100 feet and hang it and leave, you know. And we will continue with Mark's story next episode. If you like what we're doing and you want to hear more, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's several reward levels with things like t-shirts, buttons, vinyl stickers, all kinds of stuff. But even $3 a month gets you bonus content. We try to do at least one or two bonus episodes for our patrons every month and give them some other content besides. The more patrons we have, the more content we can make that's in terms of the bonus shows and the regular shows. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, I'd like to thank all of our current patrons. I will be at Harrisburg Comic Con this weekend with copies of both books, t-shirts, art, and more. That's at the Harrisburg Mall, 3501 Paxton Street, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Saturday and Sunday, May 20th and 21st. Look for the Strange Familiar's banner. Stop by, say hi. I'd love to meet you. Strange Familiar's is a production of Dark Holler Arts, LLC. Music, books, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. Our reader this episode was Serata. Blessed wings as blossoms to spread.